Good morning, saints of our Lord, and welcome to Thy Strong Word. Thank you for tuning us in this morning on Worldwide KFUO, Christ for you anytime, anywhere. I'm your host, Brady Finnern, pastor of Messiah Lutheran Church in Sartell, Minnesota. And today is Wednesday, August the 11th. At this next hour, we study the inspired and true Word of God and continue to connect the dots from the Old Testament to the New with Hebrews chapter 3. What a fun time to be in Hebrews. It is so rich, so chock full of God's grace, and it makes all these connections that the great part is we're slowing down to look at this and to see all the different ways that this author, by the power of the Holy Spirit, was able to show the Hebrew people that this Jesus is the the Savior. He is the one that you've been waiting for. He is that guy. And in chapter 2, right before our study today, that he brings a clear confession of Christ who has all authority. This is like in Colossians, where everything's under his feet. But the Lord appointed him to take on everything that we take on, to take our temptations, everything to be the payment for our sins. Use the words propitiation. Today, the author starts comparing Jesus to other people, which is one of those, uh, makes me think, and I'm going to be intrigued to hear what Pastor says to this, is we say, well, comparison is kind of the thief of all joy. Now, how do we see that as we look at what he says today, that in Christ, we can have rest in him? You need rest? Today's the day to have it in God's word. Rest and enjoy as the gifts are ready, ready for you. Thy strong word is generously underwritten by our friends at Lutheran Heritage Foundation. Visit lhfmissions.org for more information, lhfmissions.org. To help us to be strengthened by God's word, we welcome regular guest Pastor John Shank of Trinity Lutheran Church and School in Edwardsville, Illinois. Pastor Shank, welcome back to Thy Strong Word. Hello, God's blessings to you. It's uh, always an honor to be on. It's a great text that we have uh, before us, a wonderful letter of, of, great, of great encouragement uh, mm. for the body of Christ uh, to, to consider Christ. To look, yeah. to, to look to Jesus, and it's like, why do <laughs> I almost wonder? Why do we need this encouragement? But we do. Uh, it's like we shouldn't <laughs> need true. to be told look to Jesus, uh, but we need it because we are so uh, we are the people uh, of Israel walking in the in the desert where we are so distracted by every everything else that we are not looking to the pillars uh, that lead us along the way to, to Christ who is in our midst. Um, so yes, we need this word of encouragement to, to consider Jesus. Um, and in that considering, yeah, that, that comparison, uh, consider him amongst all the rest. Uh, oh, because yeah. the answer is going to be uh, great encouragement. It is, yeah. Oh, that's so good. That's so good. I mean, you've taken away any any other introductory thoughts that I need to have. But let's. So, so I love this language. Consider Jesus. It reminds me of when you're doing something, either as a father, as a husband, um, as a pastor, or in whatever vocation you or our listeners are in, where we get so focused on what we're doing, and somebody, a blessed uh, a family member or coworker or somebody, says, "Have you considered this?" And and usually they're a whole lot calmer about it than I am <laughs> when I when I'm trying to do the same thing. But that's exactly what this author is doing. Thinking about how patient that this author is, that's almost like he's doing that to a bunch of anxious people. Consider yeah. Jesus, not as a how dare you not, but really a 
he has a he really cares for the souls of these Hebrew people that he wants them to know the joys and the richness and the grace of our Lord Jesus. Um, I want to run with this a little bit. Any thoughts uh, before we get to what's going on for you? Um, yeah, I think we have as a reflection we we have a a gentle call <laughs> a gentle call uh in love for these people instead of a, a barking command of yeah. um of a painful word you know uh there's no whip here there's like um precious refreshment uh, come consider drinking this refreshment in the midst of being in the heat that you you uh, think this might be better for you yes i do think this might be better for you. so it's like uh just a, you know there are times in which the scriptures do um say the law in a way that just um just runs us over which is needful but some of the times where it's just like there's this gentle uh, loving cons- call and this loving call to consider Jesus um, to those who are wounded, as well as who are starving, to those who are just uh, exhausted. This is such a uplifting word. Here's what we're going to do, Pastor. I'm going to ask you about what's going on for you after our break, because you have wet our palates. You have gotten us excited, got me excited. So let's just dig into the text. Can you begin our time in prayer? Can you do that? Yes, let's do that. Awesome. (laughs) Holy Lord, our mighty Father, um, guide us by your Holy Spirit to consider, to look to Jesus in the midst of everything else that would avert our eyes, that would distract us and turn our hearts from you, to lose heart, to lose our faith, to lose our trust and our hope and our joy in the midst of the gifts of life and this life as the body of Christ. Help us, O Lord, to be turned again to Jesus, who is life in himself, the joy of knowing Jesus in the midst of a world that is falling away, knowing that in him we have eternal life. Bring us, O Lord, by the guiding of your Spirit to the day of great resurrection and life. In his most precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. As you can tell, and everyone knows this, Pastor Shank has been on this program for many years. He is pointing us to the Word of God. So if you have any questions concerning the Word of God, which he is ready to proclaim today, send us an email, kfuo at kfuo.org. Or for our time today, also live program, 1-800-730-2727 or 314-821-0850. 8210850 with any questions or comments or thoughts you have on this wonderful text where we are to consider Jesus. Now Pastor Shank, I love this. You just you're hitting the ground running. So since uh, chapter 3 is uh never done in uh separate and it excuse me, separate from a context or a background, I do want to do something a little bit different so we get right into the text is that I'm going to read all of chapter 3. And then to get your thoughts on the themes or backgrounds or context that you want to say, because it's so rich, you know, it's so rich that to hear it twice today, I think would even be more of a blessing for us. So um, that's how we're going to go at this. Uh, chapter three, we reminder to our listeners, we will be reading from the English Standard Version, Hebrews chapter three. Therefore, holy brothers, you who share in a heavenly calling, consider Jesus the apostle and high priest of our confession. 
who was faithful to him who appointed him, just as Moses also was faithful in all God's house. For Jesus has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses, as much more glory as the builder of a house has more honor than the house itself. For every house is built by someone, but the builder of all things is God. Now Moses was faithful in all God's house as a servant to testify to the things that were to be spoken later. But Christ is faithful over God's house as a son, and we are his house, if indeed we'd hold fast our confidence and our boasting in our hope. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion on the day of testing in the wilderness, where your fathers put me to the test and saw my works for 40 years. Therefore, I was provoked with that generation and said, they always go astray in their heart. They have not known my ways. As I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart, leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we have come to share in Christ, if indeed we have to hold our original confidence firm to the end. As it is said, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. For who were those who heard and yet rebelled? Was it not all those who left Egypt by, led by Moses? And with whom he was provoked for 40 years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose bodies fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, but to those who were disobedient? So we see that they were unable to enter because of unbelief. Here is chapter three, and, and Pastor, as we hear these words, um, give us you know, some context, background, themes that you see in this chapter that will help us out this morning. So um, as, as you began with the book of Hebrews, we had this call to consider who Jesus is. Who is he? <laughs> and there was mm. a call to, to understand or consider him uh, in the truth of his word, in the truth of the proclamation, which is that he is greater than all the angels, right? Uh, so that was the beginning, right? And then we're, we're considering, um, as we consider who he is and our salvation in him, uh, not to be turned away from that, not, not to be led into temptation. So that helps us as we're heading into this chapter, where the continual temptation for the people of Israel, Old Testament, but it's still here with the people of, uh, of Israel or the Hebrew people, and for us as well, is to turn back. So after we've been called to follow our Lord Jesus in a life of faithfulness, our temptation is to turn back or to look behind us or to look away. And so here the call is don't, <laughs> don't ever look away. So we have to know who it is that we're looking towards so that we may um, be encouraged then not to find hope in anything else uh, or to be distracted to think that something could ever compare to the one for whom we now follow. But if you can remember the Old Testament, you can remember how often the people were turning back to their time, um, to the time in Egypt. To, to hey remember when we used to sit around the meat pots and we used to eat cucumbers remember all that that was great now we're starving in the wilderness <laughs> and here 
the the people were reminded how God was faithful and how he set them free from slavery and how he fed them in the wilderness and so they were continually being told to to look look to God you know don't return to slavery and the same thing here for the people the Hebrew people, as they've been brought to see the fullness of all things fulfilled in Christ Jesus, don't look back to enslavement to the law. Look to Jesus, uh, who is uh, freedom and salvation. So uh, we, I, I would say that that kind of brings us to where we need to start. And, and you know it begins, and there's the, the Hebrews is very difficult, and I you know I'm not want to ever been the person to separate this into chapters because there's so many times it's like therefore therefore you're like okay I'm ready to make a chapter but I probably shouldn't do it at therefore but where else am I going to do it because he's constantly and Dr. Kleinig says this all the time in his commentary he calls the author to this the teacher. He's continually challenging these folks in a, like you said at the beginning, a very pastoral way, not a, not using Jesus as a club, but teaching. And there's always an analogy. It's kind of like when your when your father or your parent or teacher, whoever, says, "I'm gonna let me tell you a story. Let me tell you about this." And then and then you're kind of where are they going? And then they get to the therefore. <laughs> let me tell. Here's why I'm telling you this. It's exactly what he's doing here. And today he begins with therefore. Um, and so I want to just read verse one and get your thoughts on that, because it is a transition from chapter two, where he says, um, Jesus is one that's been tempted like us, but yet did not fall much like when we see G- exactly when we see Jesus in the desert. And then therefore, he says, therefore. So verse one, therefore, holy brothers, you who share in a heavenly calling, consider Jesus, the author and high priest of our confession. I'm going to stop there because there's a lot in there. Pastor, any thoughts? So uh, even as he's having to, because there will there is correction here, right? So that even though there's a correcting word, he's not treating them as unbelievers in their sin. Mm. You know, he says, "Holy brothers," right? Which kind of helps us as as we're dealing with someone who might be struggling with um, with their faith. Uh, with uh, a current issue in their their walk of faithfulness, we don't need to treat them as um, as an outsider to God. You know, holy brothers uh, who share in the heavenly calling. Consider Jesus. I just think that that is uh, such a loving thing. And then, who are we called to consider? Consider Jesus, who is the apostle and high priest. So that he is the mm. apostle, um, which means uh, the sent one. The one who represents the the one who who actually bears the very words and will and um, the exact image, who is God, the fullness of of the deity dwells in Jesus, very much Colossians there, uh, and that He is High Priest. Um, the fact that He intercedes and He uh, the the connection to to sacrifice. So he is the one who uh, brings in the sacrifice to the Holy of Holies, um, but in a unique way, not for himself, because the other priests have to do this for themselves to make propitiation, make uh, atonement uh, for their own sins, but Jesus does it for us. And in him, he is a high priest, but he is also the one putting his own blood uh, upon uh, the mercy seat. So... 
yeah, we have to do a lot of considering of Jesus here. Yeah, right, and there's so much packed into one verse. You know, like you said, he does not treat them as um, outside the faith they're in. Of course, he's concerned later on in the chapter. Right. Share in the heavenly calling. I think about this is uh, we we probably, I need to be speaking more in that. Like, we have heaven. I mean, we talk to fellow Christian people. Like, we have heaven to look forward to. And I, I know I don't talk about that enough, um, that we share in this and showing that, I guess you say, uh, a life together here and in eternity, um, that, I don't know, the sharing piece is a theme in this chapter as well, is that we're in this together as God's people. I guess maybe koinonia would be the right word, the fellowship that we have, and it shows us not only here but into eternity. There's so much packed in there, and I love how you are pointing us, uh, once again, consider Jesus. And that's, I think, a good call for, obviously, unbelievers. But sometimes we neglect to make realizing that it's a good call for us, too. Any any thoughts on that? Why it's good for us to always, cons- someone to encourage us to consider Jesus on our Christian walk. So we need to consider Jesus on the Christian walk because it's so easy to get caught up that this life is it all. This is This is everything that this is um, the sole substance of my existence. It really isn't. We have been called into a heavenly calling, and let's, con- let's understand what that is. That is a, a calling into the resurrection, that we have a resurrection yet to be unfolded. We have a, a holy Jerusalem, a holy um, promised land yet to cross over into. And the warning about those who grumbled and complained and did not enter into that promised land warns us that's just an earthly reality, which, which had a spiritual significance to it, too. Don't, uh, don't misunderstand that. Yes, grumbling against Jesus, against the Word, uh, in the Old Testament still had uh, some eternal significance of faith and unbelief. But they were talking primarily about an earthly Jerusalem. We don't want to do what they did uh, not just because of an earthly blessing, but an eternal resurrection, uh, a land in which we dwell in the presence of God eternally. So we have to consider those things as we walk, because we could be thinking, this is it. This is all that there is. And and, and when I consider that I've been called into a resurrected life uh, and a resurrection yet to be fully realized now, but is mine by a promise, then it affects how I live my life here and now. So let's continue moving forward um, because, well, we have to get through these texts and it's so yeah. rich that we have to keep moving forward. But um, verses two and three, oh, excuse me, I'm just going to do verse two. So consider Jesus, verse two, who was faithful to him who appointed him, just as Moses also was faithful in all God's house. So I want to I I put this in the context, as I mentioned in my intro is on the program here, we had uh, Pastor Brian Davies was on, and we were talking about the, the the problem of comparing. So I compare my ministry at Messiah Lutheran Church to Trinity, you know, in Edwardsville, and I'm like, hmm, wow, Pastor Shank has this, this, and this. And Pastor Davies, who's a pastor in Northern Illinois, said, said what's the problem with comparison? He said, well, it's the thief of all joy. And I'm like, okay, all right, so don't compare. Now we have <laughs> the teacher kind of doing a comparison of Jesus and Moses. 
So how do we filter that as we, you know, this is a good, I think it's a good proverb, good wisdom statement to say for us as, as Christian, as people, but he's doing something here that is a great teaching tool. How would you, how would you unpack that as we look at, he makes his comparisons? Because the people had already adverted their eyes. They had already turned their eyes to Moses. So they had been called to follow Jesus and Moses was following Je- Jesus brings this up in I think it's the Gospel of John, right? You know, if you would follow Moses, you'd also believe in me. Um, so right, right. the they're making the false distinction of not following Moses, who followed Jesus, who uh, was on the holy mountain with Jesus, right? Who okay. kind of comes to Moses in the burning bush and spoke and revealed. Uh, the divine name and reveals the Father to us. He's always the revealer, right? So they're making this false distinction. So their false distinction is being exposed by showing them who Jesus really is. So he's, he's well, first of all, this isn't the foremost of their minds. Well, we got Moses. We're good, much like the Pharisees. We got Abraham. We're good. Right. So he's He's kind of going on their, uh, uh, we call it their side of the field. They're playing. He's playing their game, if you will. Um, and so that and makes is a mockery of it, right? Like, makes, and he's yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like you want to say that oh, I've got Moses. Well, Moses needed Jesus. He needed the Son, and he looked to the promise of the Son, and he lived and was righteous by trusting in the promise of the coming one, which he, I mean, Deuteronomy gives us that, right? Um, there's a greater one yet to come, right? And that's, that is Jesus. So Moses looked to it. So now you want to look back to Moses thinking that you have something that compares. There is no comparison to Jesus. This is a, this is a foolhardy thing. So I think this is good for us to think of this. So he's comparing. Clearly, he's going to be making the argument, and we know this as after the fact, that clearly Jesus is better. If I can say it that way, if we were to use some kind of terms we would use. Now let's let's hear how he makes that argumentation, uh, verses 3 and 4, as he unpacks that statement of, okay, Jesus was uh, faithful, so was Moses. And then I ended way too quickly, but just to kind of break it down. So verses 3 and 4. For Jesus has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses, as much more glory as the builder of a house has more honor than the house itself. For every house is built by someone, but the builder of all things is God. Um, so he, he says it pretty, pretty blatantly there. Here's going to be my argument. My argument is Jesus is better than Moses. <laughs> what else, how is he unpacking that in these verses? So I think we have to consider the position, the work, and the person. So the position, we have a servant being compared to a son. We have the work. Yes, they're both deliverers, but one is an earthly deliverance of an earthly enslavement. One is an internal deliverance of an internal slavery to sin. We have a person. We have got the man, Moses, being compared to the son of man, right? The eternal son, the only... uh, only begotten one. So in this, it's, once you do that, then you're like, this is nuts. <laughs> this is this is great. What? Why are we even? Why? Why are we? Why are we trying to? Uh, you know. And this is what they the 
the the the uh, the author of the book of Hebrews is doing to the audience. The audience is is saying, yeah, but we've got Moses. Mm. Um, we're good, and he's saying Moses is Moses because of Jesus. Okay, yeah, that's good. That's good. It's it's funny. Let me take a, a little bit of a step back. Is uh, my son. One time, some some of his friends started calling him Moses because he's a PK. By the way, to our listeners, pray for <laughs> pastors' kids because there's weird ways that people will relate you with, with your father. I grew up in that life, and it was a wonderful life. But one of my my son, they called him Moses for a short time, and he was kind of offended by that. And I was like, "Dude, if I, Moses is like the great one of the greatest guys in the Bible, this is a compliment to run with it, you know, and start." Get out, get out a you know a shepherd's staff and go to waters and just have a good time with it or something. I don't know exactly what to do, but just one of those mom- moments where it was a moment where I was like, "Hey, this is a compliment. This is Moses. He was a mountain transfiguration. He's you know split the Red Sea. He was a a guy that did all these things. So Moses was great, but as as he's saying here, he was not the builder. He was not the builder. He is Moses and Jesus." is Jesus. Of course, he's saying it with much much less sarcasm than I'm doing right now. So um, that was just a side note. Any other thoughts on, on these verses? Yeah, so we have to, because to, what is being compared is the builder to the house. So the house can't build itself. Um, mm. Moses can't call to himself. It's the bush, the Lord who called him from the burning bush. It's Abraham didn't call himself. God called him. And and the same things, right, that God made Moses who he um who he was so that so that God could use Moses for his uh purposes. All, all the glory has to go to God. <laughs> who is Moses of himself? He's a, a murderer who ran away. But what did God do? He took mm. this man and and he led him to be bold, uh, to 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 go to, to proclaim <clears throat> and to lead his people into being the people of God. So, uh, but all that is God's doing. All that all that is right. God's doing. It's a wonderful stewardship focus. I love this verse. You know, it's in, in for every house is built by someone, but the builder of all things is God. And that's just a great stewardship understanding of Moses being the steward as opposed to the builder, you know. So it it is a wonderful reality for us as Christians to remind us of what is our relation to God. Clearly, um, understanding that it's all in God's hands, but God still does use us for, you know, the love of him and the love of the neighbor as well. And, we, and there's no place it's seen more clearly than with Moses himself. So right now, Pastor, we need to take our break. We are studying Hebrews chapter 3 with Pastor John Shank, and we will be right back.
Did you know that your individual retirement account may make the best gift to KFUO? The IRS now allows individuals 70 and a half or older to transfer their required minimum distribution directly to charity and avoid paying the associated income tax. These gifts can provide regular long-term resources to KFUO. If you have questions about making an IRA gift to KFUO, call me, Mary, at 314-996-1518. We'll send a representative out to help answer your questions and help you establish a legacy of giving to your favorite radio station, Worldwide KFUO. The Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, on behalf of Concordia Plan Services, Lutheran Housing Support Corporation, Concordia University System, Lutheran Church Extension Fund, the LCMS Foundation, and Corporate Synod, daily reaches out to our members and partners, working together to support our local, global, and international ministries, church workers, and LCMS initiatives at large to carry the mission forward and to serve each other in love. Opportunities to serve, lcms.org slash careers. Much art in European and American museums depicts scenes and stories from the Bible. The same is true of the great library of music. Each week on Sing for Joy, you hear such music, sometimes powerful enough to stop you in your tracks, other times gentle enough to calm your anxiety. Always offered to feed the soul. Join us. Sundays at noon on KFUO. And welcome back. We are studying Hebrews chapter 3 with Pastor John Schenk. And Pastor, as you just dug, you started us off on the Word of God right away. I do want to ask this. What's happening for you, your family, and the saints at Trinity Lutheran in Edwardsville? So our our, our biggest thing is that school has already started. So um, <laughs> Yeah, so yesterday was our first day of school, half day. Today is our first full day for the kids. So yesterday we began things in chapel and uh, exploring our theme, which the LCMS theme for schools uh, this year is Christ in all things from Colossians 1 and uh, seeing that uh, our Lord Jesus is preeminent. It really goes with this, really fits together with our chapter that Christ is preeminent over all things, uh, the firstborn of creation and in him, the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. So uh, it's, a, it's a wonderful way to, to begin things, and um, it's great, great, to, great to have the kids back, but it does seem early. <laughs> it does. It does. Absolutely. Well, and especially for us here in Minnesota, because we don't start school, at least the public schools. I think uh, private schools tend to go a week earlier, but we don't start till after Labor Day. Yeah. Um, here. So it's it's incredibly hard for people, especially when they want to go to the lake or they want to go on their boats and go fishing to think now I can't even imagine what that would be like. But it's a it's a blessing nonetheless. Reminder to our listeners that here's your opportunity once again to pray. Pray for our teachers in our Lutheran schools. What a blessing they are to our kids. And at the same time, the pastors, because they are just as busy as as others. And it's it's a world that um, a lot of times we don't really know what all goes on when a pastor has a, a, the joy of serving in a school. So continue to pray for the, him, uh, Pastor Shank, for Trinity, and for all Lutheran schools and churches. So, Pastor, right now we are in ch- verse 4, and we've, we, I mean, there's a lot packed in in these first four verses. And you've, you've said it well. I think the theme is continuously, even when we get past these first six verses, consider Jesus. Any other thoughts on those first four verses? 
Um, no, because I think it, we still continue on in the same uh, vein as we get into five here. So, Got it. Okay, five and six, we'll read that. Now Moses was faithful in all God's house as a servant to testify to the things that were to be spoken later. But Christ is faithful over God's house as a son. And we are his house if indeed we hold fast our confidence and our boasting in our hope. So he once again, he speaks about the faithfulness of Moses and of Christ, but how does he compare the two? So yeah, we, we are, we're not denigrating Moses. We're exposing and glorifying Jesus. And that's exactly what Moses was sent to do, right? Uh, he is faithful as a, a servant, but what did the servant of the Lord do? He testifies the things that, are, uh, that were to be spoken later. What is that? He, he was sent to proclaim the coming of the Savior, um, the coming of the of the one, uh, the the, uh, the the one who would be a greater prophet, and uh, that's none other than Jesus Himself. So he is a, a it, so it talks about him as a servant, and this is not uh, to to make it uh, negative in the sense of uh, forced. Uh, he was forced slave or something like this he he was a, a freed man a man set free by the powerful work and deliverance uh, of god and as this free man he served the one in whom uh, freed him but he did it willingly and lovingly uh, moses is great he's gr- uh, it's totally great but when we talk about his greatness it's greatness in the household that God was building, and he builds it in and by his Son, for whom all things belong. So Jesus, the comparison is being done between one who serves in a house and one who is the Son of the, of the Father. The Son is the one in whom he might be doing the same work, right? If you talk about a servant and a son, they might both have to go out and, and tend to the flock and, you know, uh, feed the the, uh, the cattle, and they're doing the same, you know, it looks like they're doing the same thing. But the son is the one to whom all these things belong, right? They all belong to him, right? Mm. It's, it's very much John chapter 10, the hired hand. He might run away. He might flee because these these things don't really belong to him, but the the son is the one who will lay down his life for the sheep. So, oh my. yeah, that's a really good connection with the shepherd, because even in our to make that distinction that the author makes, and you really uh, peeled that back in a perfect way, because even we would understand that a br- kind of like I would I look at it this way: a brother-in-law is different than the son. You know, so like uh, it's different if the the son has a relationship with the father when it comes to taking care of things than I do as a brother, a son-in-law or brother-in-law to that whole scenario. It's not that you're not part, not that you're not beloved. It's not that you're not, quote, great. I don't, I don't know if that's the right language, but anyways, um, but you're, it's definitely a distinction. And he's just making that very clear. I'm not denigrating Moses. He was faithful in God's house, 
but Jesus was faithful over God's house as a son. You know, there's a there's a vast difference there, not negating Moses, but uplifting Jesus, as you said, like your school theme this year in Colossians, that everything is under his feet. Um, he's in all things because he's Jesus and Moses is not. The last thoughts on those verses? Yeah, I you know, maybe it's my upbringing and my... Uh, <laughs> family love for uh, Westerns, that I just have that in my head, that if you think about the hired hands, right, you've got, you've got uh, the son, um, and uh, they're, they're going out and doing the work, um, but there is a difference between the hired hand and the one who is the son. The son gets to come into the house with the father at the end of the day, and they sit down and make accounting of of everything. They they plan everything out together. Their their wills are aligned. Their thoughts are aligned. And yes, the son goes out and does work. And it might be similar to the work that he's also sending out. The ser- I mean, Jesus is called an apostle. Jesus sends apostles. What do they both do? They go and bring the good news of the kingdom. Jesus is also bringing the good king. But he is the kingdom that has come. There is that distinction at the end of the day. At the end of the day, all things belong to him. At the end of the day, he is responsible. It won't be the hired hand. It's going to be Jesus, and mm. in his um, in his responsibility, he's he's made all of this his own. He's he's purchased all of it. <laughs> we all belong to him. Is- yeah, right, right. This is it's very, very well said. And he ends verse six with um, another. He brings it back to when he calls them holy brothers at the beginning, where he says, "And we are his house, if indeed we hold fast to confidence and boasting in our hope, which is obviously Christ." I think that's a powerful way to speak of it. And we are his house, especially as he's talked about builders and everything else. What is he saying there? Any thoughts on that? And that end, where we are his house. Uh, I, you know, as we deal with the, the working of the Holy Spirit, um, that the Holy Spirit is poured into our hearts in which he takes us individually and builds us up into a house, the, the, the church, and then individually he makes a dwelling within us. Uh, so God dwells in us uh, to sanctify us, to make us his own, but then as a collective, as a body of Christ, then we are made into the assembly, uh, assembly of believers, in which is the, so it's not the building that is the church. We're made into the church in which as we are assembled, put together uh, by the Spirit of Christ, um, it is to then be um, His dwelling place. So, then we get to these next number of verses where it goes again to therefore. So he's making a transition. I tell you that, verses 1 through 6, so I can tell you this. So um, I think we're ready. Are we ready to move forward? Yes. Okay. So here, reminder to he is quoting Psalm 95. So that's a good, uh, a good portion of Scripture to maybe turn to as we hear these words. But he is quoting uh, Psalm 95 as the Holy Spirit says, verses 7 through 11. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion on the day of testing in the wilderness, where your fathers put me to the test and saw my works for 40 years. Therefore, I was provoked with that generation and said, 
They always go astray in their heart that they have not known my ways. As I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. So as, as the author does over 35 times throughout the book of Hebrews, he quotes the Old Testament and he doesn't do it just haphazardly. He does it intentionally. What are your thoughts on his use of Psalm 95 here? So those who were raised with matins as a um, frequent service, um, this is, we're picking up, we're um, in matins where we're saying, oh, oh come, uh, let us sing to the Lord. We, we end... We end singing where these verses pick up. Uh, so it's kind of it's kind of interesting that it we is. don't read all of or we don't sing all of uh, Psalm 95, but these other verses pick it up where it's like today, today. I think that's just uh, the part that really uh, jumps out at me. The today, today, if you hear His voice, do not harden your hearts as is in the rebellion. So for for them. Uh, for the 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 audience of the book of this writing of the Hebrews, they're being brought into the historicity of the people of Israel who fell, who uh, rebelled, who grumbled as they had been delivered by the mighty hand of God. Now, for you listeners, hearers today, don't make that same mistake. Don't also harden your hearts away from this Jesus whom we are to consider and keep in the the forefront of all of our life and all of our days and all of our what it is to have life it's all about Jesus so today 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 i just think um that is uh the reality of the gospel the gospel comes to us today so let us receive him today let us rejoice in him today let us know our salvation today and I think this goes with that theme that we've been talking about, why it's important today for us to consider Jesus <laughs> as broken yeah. people continually being um, tossed and turned by sin, um, by the world, our own flesh, and so forth, that we need to consider Jesus again today. Not as a, um, okay, now I've accepted Jesus into my heart type of language, but in a realization of all that Christ has done for us to give thanks and also to be strengthened through whatever trial we have. So I, I love that language because in the Gospel of Luke, it's used all the time. Today you'll be with me in paradise, he says on the cross. Today salvation has come upon this house when you think of um, Zacchaeus as he goes there. Today, Jesus is very focused on today. You know, not yesterday, that's forgiven in me. Today is the day of salvation. So yeah, I think that's great language. Anything else in those? Because uh, he's he's definitely leading into the next portion. So I just want to see if there's anything else on that and, Psalm 95. Yeah, and not being calloused towards waiting for tomorrow. It's, ah, it's here, right? And there is that call that hardening of hearts. So uh, if it's okay, like the yeah. uh, the uh, do not harden your hearts. So the hardening of a heart is a heart that's that's saying the opposite of amen, the, uh, the opposite of amen is no. <laughs> uh, when God speaks to you and you say no, um, just, and they had been, they should know, they uh, can, uh, they should know the difference here, right? They should know what this is all about uh, because they saw it, uh, may, not this generation. So we're talking about the Old Testament here, this, this generation that's uh, coming out from this and being used as an example of warning. They should have known that, remember, when 
Pharaoh hardened his heart. What was he saying? Every time that God said, let my people go, he said, uh, no, uh, no. Uh, no, and he was hardening his heart, he was hardening his heart, he was hardening his own heart, right? Um, mm-hmm. So don't do that. And, and, but the people did harden their hearts as they themselves had been brought out. And yes, they were faced with hardship, and hardship, um, there's this great testing, and there's also a temptation to, to be focused on the hardship and lose the joy of knowing that my Savior will deliver me. Um, so they had a hardship of not having water. And in the midst of not having water, where did the Lord lead them but to a rock? <laughs> well, that didn't seem like much of an answer, but God provided water from the rock. Uh, so don't harden your hearts as they did in this rebellion against him, because God will answer you. And he answers in the rock, and Jesus is the rock, right? Yeah, and he rolls my blues away. Uh, bop, shoe, bop, shoe, bop, woo. Anyways, I don't know if you know that camp song, but anyways, um, <laughs> you just said that so beautifully. Um, so once again, he connects this, and Dr. Kleinig does too in his commentary, to Exodus 17, where they're complaining about no water. And Moses is frustrated, everyone is frustrated, and, and God once again shows his grace. But he's saying, don't harden your hearts like them as if I'm not going to provide for you. Um, my my house, you know, my uh, you're my creation, you're my holy brothers, as he's really making a point. And so he's definitely preparing them to don't harden your hearts like Pharaoh. Anything else before we move on? Because the warning is, um, as I swore in my wrath, they will not enter my rest. Yeah. So they they rebelled and said no to God, just as Pharaoh said no to God. So then they, instead of falling in line and, and being Christ-like, they were anti-Christ-like. They were like a Pharaoh who said no to the word and saying, instead of saying amen. And then that provoked God's anger, and they weren't entering in his rest. Well, this is a, again, like we talked about before, this is this is a earthly, yes, it had... Um, it had eternal promises, I'm sure, of faith, too. But um, this was talking about entering the promised land and that rest um, and all that. But we we should be all the more emboldened not to go against the word of the Lord because we have eternal, the eternal paradise, the eternal promised land uh, as our home that resurrection to look forward to, and we want to enter that rest because he wants to give us that rest, and he has earned and and delivered it to us, so don't say no to it by saying no to Jesus. And that's very helpful, is don't say no, you know, so say yes or however you want to say it, but right now it's right there. There's no reason for you to deny it. There's no reason for you not to uh, receive this. And it's right there. And so don't say no. I want, I want to keep going forward because he untangles us a little bit as well for us to be able to clearly see it. So 12 and 13. Take care, brothers, lest there be any of you, uh, is any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day, as long as it's called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Um, and so he, he says right here, 
in a very pastoral or a spiritual care mode of the don't don't have a, a hard heart um don't fall away from the living god and he kind of gives some very explicit um recommendations for us as christians which has challenged me to think about how we as a church are to exhort one another but what are your thoughts as he exhorts a congregation yeah so he's he's making sure that we when we talk about the hard hearts that that what is a hard heart well it's a heart that's unbelieving um so we should have a believing heart, right? Just as uh, David uh, prayed to, to create in me a, a new heart, um, you know, a fleshly heart instead of a hardened heart from God's promises. So the, the, he doesn't want them to have um, in, in, in any of you an evil or unbelieving heart um, that would lead you to fall away from the living God. That that's the struggle that our hearts can lead us away and astray. So the exhortation is to love one another, so that when you see your brother or your sister walking away from the promises of God, being led to put their hope in something else, um, all those other things that we often put our trust in or think that this will this is our our real security blanket. All those things will fail you. Um, but the good news is that Christ will never. He will never fail you. He is the one who has saved you. So consider him. Whenever you're in doubt or struggle or, or are afraid, consider Jesus as the answer to all of your needs, because he is. Mm. Let's keep moving forward. 12 and 13, we've gone through. We'll 14 all the way to the end. Because he definitely is not, like you said at the beginning, he's not trying to use Jesus as a club, but he is warning them of this has happened before from people who knew the truth, but for whatever reason, hardened their hearts. And so this is where, once again, a comparison is a good thing where you show, okay, they made this mistake. Don't make the same one. 14 through 19. For we have come to share in Christ if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. As it is said, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. For who were those who heard and yet rebelled? Was it not all those who left Egypt led by Moses? And with whom had, was he provoked for forty years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose bodies fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, but to those who were disobedient? So we see that they were unable to enter because of unbelief. Now, Pastor, we have about six minutes left in our time, and I really want to make sure we unpack this correctly. Where would you start in these verses? So, again, the, what's the ultimate problem that they're facing? The ultimate problem that they're facing is they are they are the ones trying to make a faulty comparison of saying i've got moses i'm turning back away from jesus that was nice but i'm going to go back to to moses okay well why is that a problem well the problem is in in turning away from jesus to this so-called moses they're leaving who moses was following they're they're leaving jesus and that and in that they're they're not only losing Jesus, but they're losing the one true Moses, 
the real Moses followed Jesus too. Um, but as they did, they're being warned in a way. Um, who's the ones that rebelled? Aren't those the ones that were delivered? And, and who, when they were delivered, who led them? Moses. So you want to follow that Moses? <laughs> um, mm, and, mm-hmm. and you. So what's the problem? You, the problem is you too were delivered, weren't you? Did, didn't didn't Jesus deliver you? So why do you want to stop following the one who delivers you from sin and death to follow something else? You were you were delivered from the um, the the wages of sin. You're delivered from um, a curse of the law, which told you that you couldn't save yourself. Therefore, Jesus saved you. He paid for your sins. He gives you a righteousness not of your own. Why would you want to follow anything else from that? Uh, they fell. Don't fall. One, one time I heard a pastor speak. It was on John 14. You know, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Whoever believes in me... Um, uh, we'll, we'll live. I mean, basically, this is the very basic message. And and he said this question, and it really struck me, because it was grace-filled, but yet cut to the heart. And he said, okay, this is what Jesus says. And, let's cons- and he basically said it this way, consider Jesus is, all right, so let's just say you're like, I don't like that. So tell me, what's the better alternative? <laughs> like, okay, so what's yeah. your alternative to this this free and gracious loving and kindness and forgiveness and salvation from Jesus, completely free. What is your better alternative? And in a very loving way, he's doing that by asking these questions, basically saying, uh, who provoked them for 40 years? Uh, you know, was it not those who sinned? Um, they had all of it, but yet they sinned and, and they will not enter the rest. You know, who were these people? And he points them back to saying, this is the truth. The alternative is not better. The, the truth is they wanted an alternative, no faith, and therefore they will not find rest. And Lord, have mercy. We need rest, and we have that in Christ. What are your thoughts? So they were being brought to see, like, hey, we're, we're good. We, look at us. We are this mm. house of Israel, right? We are the house of Israel. <laughs> right. And right. here they're like, yes, you are. So if there is a house... There's got to be a builder, right? The houses don't build itself, right? And they're like, oh, yeah, there has to be a builder. And the the author, the teacher, as you said, is telling them Jesus did it. So look to the one who built the house and rejoice that you've been made into his house instead of turning it all around, saying, we're the house. But then you've forgotten who built you. No, instead, look to the one who built you and rejoice that he has made you into his house in which he dwells, in which he gives his gifts, in which he feeds you, in which he nourishes you. Because unbelief, that, I mean, you, we starve in unbelief. We, we're crushed in unbelief. But as we're brought into this house, we're made into his children, we're, we're, we're fed as his children, we're cared for into the life which is to come, into the resurrection in which he will raise us up into an eternal home for which we dwell in his eternal presence. So, Pastor, we have about a minute left. As you reflect on this chapter, so much um, to consider. Someone say, Pastor, how would you summarize this chapter? What would you say? I would say that every other hopes, every other place in which we put our trust, 
will will let you down. When we make comparisons and say, you know, you've got your Jesus, but I've got this, whatever that might be, my works, my positions, my place, my um, whatever it is, all those other things, uh, as great as they might be, have no have no place in comparing to Jesus, who is over all things, um, preeminent. He is the one who saved you. So as people loved by God, saved by Christ, rejoice. Rejoice in the fact that Jesus Christ has called you into his own and made you his own and um, loves you enough to come back and to gather you up in the resurrection to live forever in his presence. Pastor John Shank of Trinity Lutheran Church and School in Edwardsville, Illinois, giving us God's strong word with lots and lots of grace from Hebrews chapter 3. Pastor Shank, thank you again for being our guest. Thank you. Saints of our Lord, Moses was great, but Jesus was better. Moses was faithful servant, but Jesus is the Son. Consider Jesus again today as a day of salvation, Savior of the world, and in him we find rest. And Pastor Shank said it so well that not only do we find rest, but there is joy. We can be joyful and rejoice and still at rest because we rest in the grace of Christ. I'm your host, Brady Finner, and pastor of Messiah Lutheran Church in Sartell, Minnesota. Thank you for joining us, and the Lord keep you safe in the palm of his hands. Thank you.